0: their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona. It's the Boomer and the Babe show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And yes, it is the Boomer the Babe Show. Good morning from the Great Southwest. This is the Boomer the Babe Show broadcasting from Sun City, Arizona. Uh, 11 o'clock here in Arizona, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and 1 o'clock on the East. We trust that everybody's having a good day, no matter where you might be listening, and we hope that you enjoy this show as well. Reminding everybody that the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated is involved in much more than just doing this radio show. We are also book publishers. We publish e-books, mini-books, and we help authors to write and to put their books together so they can be ready to be published. Uh, So that being said, that explains where Deborah is. Deborah is almost always doing that nowadays because that is taken on to be a much larger section of a piece of what we do, and she is the person in charge of the writings. So she's the keeper of the, uh, oh, I guess you could say that she's the, the, the keeper of the written word and she's helping people do all that stuff she's a social social media maven and uh, she really helps people get their books up and, and get them put out so therefore she's not with us today I am babeless as they say I'm babeless in Sun City uh, is that anything like being something sleepless in Seattle I guess I don't know maybe a little bit Uh, But nonetheless, our guest today is Jan Cullinane. Jan Cullinane is an author and an expert in retirement. Uh, Her latest book, The Single Woman's Guide to Retirement, is now available, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Jan, welcome to the Boomer, the Babe show.
1: Oh, thanks, Pete. I'm delighted to be with you.
0: Well, we're glad that you're here and as I as I warned you before we were, when we were in the in the green room, so to speak, now's your time for your two minute movie. Uh a little history of Jan Cullinane and what it was that you were doing before you became Jan Cullanain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Well, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area and um, actually moved several times. I I taught uh, anatomy and physiology and microbiology. That's sort of my background. It's education. Loved it. Taught at the high school level, the junior high level. Uh, Got my master's, then did the community college level, which is very exciting and enjoyed all of that. Um, I'm married, and uh, my spouse was transferred several times. He's with a, an accounting firm, and so we we moved. And I would start over. I always loved education, working. I got my master's, working on my doctorate, and then I thought, hmm, after the last move. It was tough to find a full time position. And so I started thinking, you know, as you say, with close to 80 million boomers, with 78 million boomers, there's a lot out there and a lot of questions. And I started thinking, I've sort of lost my roots. Where are we going to live? Uh, what about all of it? I always like the holistic approach to everything so what about relocation what about health because I have the science background I love that what about volunteering what are you going to do with 168 hours a week so I thought hmm, be cool to write a guide that would be helpful to me and maybe to some of the other 80 million people that are in this whole uh, 1946 to 1964 age group so then uh, decided I'd write a book and had a co-author for the first book, which is called The New Retirement, The Ultimate Guide to the Rest of Your Life. Rodale picked that up. It had two printings. I'm happy to say uh, it was chosen by the Washington Post as a book club selection and reached the overall number two ranking on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And then uh, moved around a little more and started thinking, hmm, the single women out there. Because I would do talks for a lot of companies and people would come up and say, well, you know, I've never been married everything seems oriented to couples where should i move i'm ready to relocate or you know i'm divorced and i really want to start getting back in the dating game what about me or um i'm widowed and you know my husband handled all the finances i feel pretty much uh, in, in a bad situation what do you think and so when i looked into it realized that there more than 25 million single women over the age of 45 in the US I thought, "Huh, time to write that book." So, did that book. It just came out in October. It's The Single Woman's Guide to Retirement, published by John Wiley and Sons, and um been doing good and enjoy it and um my website is JanCullinane.com.
0: Very nice, very nice. Nicely done. Uh there when you're talking about the the baby boomer generation, whether it be couples or single women or single men for that matter, nowadays there seems to be a question as to when should I retire? Should I retire? How should I retire? Can you offer any suggestions to answer any well, of those
1: questions? I can, Pete, and and it's a good question. I mean, I think when you look at all the books that are out there, the magazines that are out there, articles that are written, a lot of the focus seems to be on, on money, first of all. And I'm not saying money isn't important, but, again, I think when you're looking about retirement, and maybe that's not such a good word, but it's about the best one we have, or at least leaving your primary career. If you're thinking about what is the best time to retire, I I always say you should ask yourself these questions. Do you have enough? Have you had enough? And do you have enough to do? And if you take them one at a a time, you know, do you have enough obviously is about the money. Uh, Have you had enough? Are you kind of sick of what you're doing, ready to explore new things, live a new life, and then do you have enough to do? I mentioned that 168 hours a week. I know we all sleep, uh, well, maybe some of us sleep less than eight hours a night, but fewer than eight hours a night, but do you have enough to do? What is it you're going to retire to? and uh not from because if you haven't thought about that it's uh it's not a good thing you really need to start thinking about that so that's how i answer that question um is it the right time to retire look at those three questions
0: well i i can relate uh to some of it not from my Somewhat from my own standpoint, but more so than from my father, who's uh, deceased. But he retired from Ford Motor Company at age 55 years old, and mm-hmm. my con- my concern was, uh, I know he had had enough. That was that was definitely the case. Uh, <laughs> uh, whether or not uh, he uh, was actually ready to retire or retire to was my concern because I'd heard so many times when some of these executive types uh hard working hard charging sixty hour a week guys would retire and they wouldn't know what to do they would before you notice they you know within the first two three maybe four years they'd have a stroke a heart attack whatever, and they'd be so darn young uh and i and I was really concerned that that was gonna be the case well by golly. He got himself a pickup truck and a fifth wheel, and he sold his boat. <laughs> they went traveling, and we moved to Arizona. They came down here, followed us to Arizona, bought a house. He no sooner had the house signed and moved in, and he was already tearing it apart and making it bigger. Uh, not not to mention playing golf three times a week, which was his one of his passions. So, I mean, he did have something to retire to. He had uh he had the fact that he enjoyed creating and building he had that and he and he did that uh, so that's really important isn't it that you've got something to go to
1: it, it absolutely is. And, and I think the other thing, not only what you're going to, but the idea of there's something actually called leisure sickness. They found that some people actually, when they have too much leisure, they, they feel ill. And, and when you think about it, and you think about, say, the role of work, you mm-hmm. know, work does add so much structure to our day. It's a way of having a social support system there at work. It's a way of uh, keeping intellectually stimulated. It really does, you know, besides the paycheck, which is a big thing, and, and health insurance, which can be a big thing, it does so many things for us. It, it dictates where we live, maybe not so much anymore because you know you can certainly work remotely with a lot of positions. But it 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 really kind of gives form to our day. And I think for most people People, We do like some sort of structure. I mean, with 80 million, boom, close to 80 million boomers, you can't have a one size fits all. Some people do like waking up every day with nothing in front of them that they have to do. For some people, that works. For most of us, though, we do need some sort of, of structure and some of those other things work brings to us. And if we're not going to be working, you know, what what will it be then? And then there's, of course, the whole self-concept thing. How do you define yourself? And um, I'd say men in general seem to struggle a little more with that when leaving a primary career, if you were defined by what your position was and what your role How are you now going to replace that, and what are you going to do about that aspect? So, that is something else people have to think about. Um, What will you be replacing your, you know, if you're working 50, 60 hours a week with? And if your self concept was all tied up in that, what are you going to do to replace that?
0: Well, yes, and it's, it's, I know myself because we've been self employed now for, oh, shoot. Ever since I can remember, it doesn't seem like I ever worked for anybody. But I mean, I I know I did. Uh-huh. But, but uh-huh. I've been I've been self-employed. Some of it out of the home, some of it out of an, out of an office. Um, <laughs> and there there have been times when I've I've said to Deborah, uh, "We need an office. We need some. I need a place to get up, get dressed, and go to, just to do what I can do here in the in the office at home. But I need a place to go to." Uh, so I can give my sense of I'm going off to work because sometimes I can sit here and I go, Oh, this is not work. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it is. Am I making myself at all clear? Am I just bollocking my words here?
1: well it it sounds like you have like a passion for for what you're doing and and then you know the term work is kind of like the term um retirement i mean work kind of has negative overtones to it in many cases but it it doesn't have to and i kind of feel the same way i work i work out of my home but um you know i think it's i think it's fabulous because i can do calls i can write i'm flying around and do talks for different companies and things but um to me it it's kind of got the three three p's if we're talking about what you're doing it's got the the passion which i i love doing what i'm doing it's got People out there—we're talking about 78 million boomers who um, maybe can be helped, or you can provide some sort of a guide for them in some areas. And you know, but you have to also be persistent because if you are working at home, it, it is a whole different thing than if you're trekking off to an office. I mean, I certainly don't miss any kind of commute. And having grown up in an educational system, and most of my working years were that so much is dictated by the clock. I mean, I was certainly not in control of my own time. I couldn't go out to lunch. I couldn't do any of those things. So I found now working from home where I'm setting up all of my parameters of working, it's it's very different. But um, I, I kind of like it. It's a huge change for me. Then okay, I've got to be there at seven o'clock. First class is eight a.m. Goes to eleven a.m. Then I got a break. Then I got to do you know office hours for my students. Everything was dictated outside. So I, I think some people struggle with that when they start their own business. That if yes. they're used to you know having it dictated outside of themselves, it's rougher.
0: Well, I, yeah, and I and I I don't think I was I, I didn't mean to infer that uh, uh, working here. Uh, out of an office uh, at home is a problem for me. I mean, it's got distinct disadvantages. I mean, I could be sitting here behind this microphone, completely naked right now. Uh, and <laughs> and <laughs> there's my, a visual. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to visualize that, believe me. But the the point being, I mean, that is the reality of the situation that I that I could be sitting here in my underwear and a T-shirt doing this interview, and nobody knows. Uh, in that, in that sense, um, the structure really is a lot different than if I have to go out and be in the public. I mean, I may not, I may not, I may not decide to, uh, get my, get my go to meeting clothes on until three o'clock in the afternoon for some evening events, uh, so that's it really is a lot of a lot of flexibility and you really have to be persistent as you said to make sure that you're doing it because if not you could just fall right off the right off the rails i would imagine if you're not directed. You,
1: you can, right. And you need uh, some good time management skills to do that because there can be so many wonderful diversions <laughs> when you're working from home. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful day, out, um, you know, whatever, the emails, although I guess you have those in an office as well, although some of them clamp down on that. And, yeah, so it, it, is, it is a good point. You have to sort of know your personality and, and if it's a good fit for you.
0: Yeah, that first T is just calling my name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: The golf cart is saying drive me.
1: <laughs> oh. Sounds like that old Twilight Zone episode yeah. of the uh oh, I don't know if you're into Twilight Zone but there was yeah. another one where the um the uh he was he was being beckoned into the casinos to play Then and it was you know, Franklin, Franklin, come and play me with the uh, slot machine. So <laughs> yours is your uh, golf cart. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: What are the secrets to successful retirement? Do you have any of those that you can give us some uh, some tips?
1: Well, I can. You know, Pete, there, there's been a lot of research. I mean, it's kind of been an interesting change because at first – Obviously, people sort of worked and and, and then they died. And uh, then, as things changed and and life expectancies got longer, and women entered the workforce, they started doing a lot more research, not only on uh, women and retirement, but also couples. So, if you kind of look at the research, and I, I kind of like all that because of my science background. And if you sort of boil it all down, it, it's almost like there are about you know six or seven secrets. I call them for a successful retirement and and a biggie and these are not in any impor- in any particular order they're all important is uh, i'd say number one is to have strong social support. And um, they've done a lot of studies on that. There was a study in New Haven, Connecticut, found that you know men and women who were very active socially lived an average of two and a half years longer and healthier than those weren't. And what was very interesting about that study that it really wasn't family that played that made the difference. It was friends. So social support is a biggie. We already kind of mentioned about work for many people uh, can provide that. So there's an issue for a lot of people they have to recreate their social support system especially if they relocate or they decide to stay where they are but other people you know move away and so they end up not having a social support system so that's that's one of the secrets of of uh a successful retirement is having strong social support um Another one I'd say is you got to have something to wake up for every day. Again, maybe that's not true for most people or for some people, but for most of us, having something to wake up for. So if you are leaving a primary career, you know, what is that something going to be? Are you going to be volunteering? Are you going to maybe start your own job? Are you going to get maybe closer to friends and family that were neglected because you were so busy working? Um, So that is something to consider and something that's generally a secret of, of having something to wake up for every day. So that's a second one. Um, a third one is is this idea of health, both physical and mental, to have a high level of activity, both physically and mentally. And and we know, of course, you know that there's that cliche of of use it or lose it, and that applies to our bodies as well as to our mind. I, I mean, it's funny because when I was an undergrad, you know, they used to talk about you're born with all the brain cells you will ever have, you know, drinking or it's going to get rid of a lot of them if you drank through college or whatever. But now they found, of course, that those little connections between nerve cells in our brains, those synapses, can grow. You can change your brain still. It's not like it's set in stone. So the idea of exercise, for example, how important it is for our body, well, that brings so much more oxygen into our brain that that helps those synapses grow, lengthen, and increase in number. So that idea of staying healthy or you know well that's a good opportunity for many people when they retire especially if they had a sedentary job to get healthy so becoming you know physically and mentally healthy is another one that would be a, a third one um another one you know call it secret 4 is is more oriented if you're part of a couple and that's to have a willingness to renegotiate roles and that can be a biggie You know, when you think about it and you maybe have over 20, 30 years sort of divided up who does what, who's bringing out the garbage, who's cutting the grass, you know, who was ferrying kids around if you had kids, who was doing whatever – that now when it's time to retire, and there's a big question there, are you going to retire at the same time, leave a primary career? Is one person going to leave but the other not? Are you going to work part-time, ratchet down? Has one person always been, say, the homemaker and in charge of the home, and now the other person is going to be around? So there's a big, big uh, push that you're going to have to start thinking about how you're going to renegotiate. All those roles, um, you hear stories about you know one spouse goes shopping the other wants to go, but the first one isn't really used to having that uh, the the partner along and and it can cause it can cause issues or even where you're going to live, that here they've grown up in an area, they've worked there, and now, you know, the the guy says, hey, let's let's move to the ocean. And the woman said, well, you know, geez, I want to move to, out to the mountains. And, you know, they're not planning on moving to, to California or something. So they have to discuss those. So that willingness to renegotiate roles if you're a part of a couple is very important.
0: Jan, I, I think that that is a uh, very obvious uh, probably more so than people think that aren't, aren't uh, directly involved in it. Uh, I've, I've heard the stories, uh, similar stories, of uh, the soldier that comes back from having a long tour or reoccurring tours of duty, and they come back to the household, and the wife has been running everything. I mean, she has been taking care of everything, the household, the kids, the shopping, the whatever. And he comes back and he says, okay, those are my duties now. And it causes a problem. Mm-hmm. And it causes yeah. a friction, and and I think it causes a friction uh, not only in that situation, but it can when all of a sudden the guy retires and he comes home and says, okay, now we're going to do it this way. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of who it was that told me that we were it was on the it was on the radio and it was some time ago, and I don't re- recall who it was. And we were talking about this very thing, and he the husband said, no, that's not how you load the dishwasher.
1: <laughs>
0: and, <laughs> and she said the problem was we have one of these grand rooms or one of the great rooms, and she says I can see how he loads the dishwasher, and it's not right. <laughs> so she yep. says so whenever whenever he went to load the dishwasher, she had to leave the room or at least turn her back. <laughs> Because That's he was now example. he was now an expert dishwasher loader <laughs> of all time.
1: <laughs> it and, he, and very true. It,
0: and he acquired it acquired it immediately, immediately upon retirement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a gift from heaven that you just get gets yeah. on you suddenly. Yeah, this, this
0: knowledge just comes from above.
1: It was, it was, it, it was that a, is a great example. That's a great example. Then the New York Times even had an article once and it was headlined, Too Much Togetherness because yeah. you know when you think about it, if it's gonna be suddenly twenty four seven it's it's a huge upheaval. And talking about research, that's another thing. Research has shown that the men that tend to be the unhappiest are the ones who are fully retired but their wives are still working. Because, again, this whole social support kind of a thing, and the women generally often are the ones sort of controlling all of the social things. Well, now the guy's had that ripped away from them. The woman's off on her merry way. And uh, if if the uh, gift from above for for doing the dishwasher, you know, he may want to say how it's done, but he may not want to do it himself (laughs) even necessarily. It it can be a big issue, that um, renegotiation of roles. Yeah, and your example is an excellent one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I and, and there's a, there's a larger and larger number of baby boomers uh, divorcing. Uh,
1: yes,
0: and all these things that you're mentioning are probably part and parcel of the whole the whole deal.
1: Well, it probably is, and when you look at um, divorce, and, and it's called grade divorce. You probably right. have heard that term yep. for twenty or more years, and um, you know they they find out it's really a lot of the women initiating it as they become more self sufficient and all. Uh, they they don't feel like they're going to have to, you know, just settle if they don't want it. If they're not able to renegotiate those roles, if the kids are gone and that was a big thing, kind of a glue that held them together, yeah, that whole divorce aspect is is huge um, among the boomer population. It certainly is.
0: It really yeah. is.
1: Well, uh, what I want to do,
0: Jen, I want to I want to uh, run my little commercial package here. We'll come back and then we'll start talking a couple more items of uh, that we were on that tack, and then we'll okay. let's, let's get into the single women in retirement aspect of uh, of what you do in your book and and so on. And we'll do that when we come back after these messages. Perfect. The Boomer and the Babe are the publishers of Boomer series books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer and the Babe network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Ligering's another Boomer Series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play at golfmix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out GolfMix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? Yeah, at GolfMix.com. The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000-square-foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the Food Bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we are back. It is Thursday, December 6, 2012. This is the Boomer and the Babe Show, and we're talking with Ms. Jan Cullinane, author of The Single Woman's Guide to Retirement. Uh, before we went to break, uh, Jan, there were a couple of things that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. Uh, you were mentioning, I think, five or so uh, tips on uh Secrets of Successful Retirement. And I don't know, maybe you had one left that we could touch on, and then let's talk about your book
1: thing. Uh, i got two more. Um, secret, okay. secret number five is of course got to be. there's got to be one about money but it's kind of interesting that there's really only one about money and that's to have a strong financial plan and uh, that's sort of interesting because people really you know we're not going to look at an Oprah or look at uh, uh, somebody else who's so incredibly rich and compare ourselves to them. We tend to compare ourselves of course to our own peer group so it's important to have a good financial Plan, But it's really almost relative to who it is that we're living around. And um, that's why we need to have that. Uh, generally, people who feel they are contributing and working towards saving in a steady sort of a way feel pretty good about themselves. And so having a strong financial plan is the fifth one. And then the last one really is sort of having a good attitude about aging. Again, more studies have shown if you have a good attitude about aging, people tend to live longer. And I think really sort of the back reason for that is because if you are an up person, if you look at the glass half-filled, you tend to end up with more social support. And as we already found, social support does lend itself to more longevity. So people that have a good sense of humor, good attitude, attitude, they generally are going to be, you know, more successful as well.
0: Well let's uh let's assume for the, the maybe the balance of our discussion today that uh this uh there's a lady in the relationship and she is the uh one of the gray divorce not gay divorcees, but the gray divorcees. um uh, she's one of these that has uh as you mentioned maybe initiated the divorce for whatever her reasons may be uh and that having been said, is that part of the reason that you decided to write the book uh, on single women and retirement?
1: Uh, well, it is, Pete. Um, and when I use the word single, like I said before, I'm going to be talking about people who are never married, who are widowed, or who are divorced. And and that number of 25 million in the U.S. over the age of 45, it's it's actually growing and Part of it, as you said, the higher divorce rates. So divorce certainly accounts for that in the in the boomer generation than it used to be. Um, the idea, of course, death of a spouse, and since women live longer, chances are they're going to uh, outlive their spouse. And you know, the statistic on that is that eighty to ninety percent of women who even if they're very happily married they're going to end up single so that was sort of another reason of looking down the line you may be in the best of health right now and you might be uh... very happily married but chances are at some point you will be single and be responsible for all decisions you know then there's the whole delayed marriage thing that also contributes to this growing contingent of people who are single there are people who are, are dumped or doing the dumping. I, I kind of call them the five the five D's that are contributing to this: this death, this divorce, um, having this delayed marriage, um, dumping or, or being dumped. And my fifth one is they just don't want to don't want to be married. They're very happy. It's a it's a lifestyle, and they're very happy just being single. So, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. The last one uh, I've had uh, recently, I, se- I seem to have uh, had a, a bit of a run on women that are that are single and on their own and doing great things um, with regard to their personal life, with regard to their adventures uh, across the globe. And uh, very, very interesting to listen to these ladies talk about how they have and I don't think they're just saying it. I get a sense that they're saying, "I've never felt better. I've never been more uh, fulfilled." Uh, and whatever it is, for whatever it is that they're doing, so they have found. They certainly seem to have found their way. Uh, how how what makes these people, those people, or other single women uh, special? I mean, what is it? What is it about them that uh, uh, single that singles them out, so to speak? <laughs>
1: well, it's it's first of all it's cute there's actually been a a word that's been coined there's a lot of kind of funky and fun vocabulary words and one of them is a free male. And and that term free male is relates to women who who choose to be single that they, you know, or choose freedom over having a family. So what what makes them like that wanting to be a free male and there are a lot of people who are writing on that uh, about that now, like Dr. Bella DePaulo is one big author about single, and and she's coined the word singleism, how there's often a uh, bias against people who are single. You read about it in uh, papers where, you know, the people who are single or or don't have any children you know, seem to maybe take up some of the slack for people who have kids or whatever, but that whole idea of, of being able to have a happy life being single, you know, is is marriage really for everybody? Well, no, you know, it's definitely not, not necessarily. And I have to say, I talked to a lot of women as I was coming up with stories for the book and people were contributing, and especially, you know, if they're 50 or 60 and they had been divorced or never, or divorced or widowed, they they weren't desperate to find another man. They kind of felt, you know, maybe if I'm 50 or 60, then who's going to, Want a fifty or sixty year old among men? Hey, they might be sixty or seventy, and some said a common theme I heard was you know i just i don 't want to be a care i don 't want to become a caregiver pretty quickly so I found that sort of interesting and you know I mean if you look at it and you see who 's online and dating and what the age groups are. People who do want to get married, and if it's the guys, they're often looking at people considerably younger than themselves, and that can be an issue. So I think well, because women—oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, oh, that's okay. I, I
0: was just going to say the women—they don't want to be necessarily want to be a caregiver as they're dealing with uh, senior senior men uh, if exactly. they're fifty or sixty, and, and if they're widowed, they probably don't want to become an undertaker. They don't want to bury another one. Uh, that's very I mean, true. I mean there's a there's a lot that goes I would imagine there's a lot that goes into that thought process isn't there
1: There absolutely is and so many women now um are working they have their own incomes so they don't feel that they that they need to be married, and you know, if you're if you've got that life until you know what is it for women now about 82 or so, and that's a long lifespan, uh, is that is that a choice some people want to make of being with the same person, or some of them are, are you know renter in, into serial marriages? Um, it's really something to think about. I think it's changed quite a bit that women now feel that they that they don't have to. So in a way I think that's it's very empowering and it's a good thing. They're staying together out of desire as opposed to a feeling of of necessity.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely the case. Now wh- how about single women uh working after they leave their primary job? I mean it, it, do you find that many of them will take on something else? Will they Uh, try to develop uh, uh, a hobby of some sort into uh, uh, an income-earning situation? Or uh, do many of them just decide that they're not going to work anymore, they're going to take their retirement because they maybe have a nice one and they're going to travel and hang out with the grandkids? How, (laughs) how How is that working?
1: uh well the the answer to all of those scenarios is is yes you know for some people and and I think one kind of statistic and I happen to like statistics is you know some people say well I'm just going to continue working forever I like what I'm doing that's sort of my plan that's going to take care of the money that's going to take care of health care that's going to be what I'll be doing but um there's there's an organization the employee benefit Research Institute. And they started looking now at people who have retired and see what they're really doing. I call it expectations versus reality. Some people say, take the group that say they're just going to work forever. Well, it turns out that 50% of people ended up retiring earlier than they thought they would. And it wasn't because they got some great package or, you know, got some huge inheritance. It was because they were downsized or they had they became disabled or they had a care for an ailing parent or a spouse. So there's the group that says, I just want to keep working forever, I love what I'm doing. And I say, hey, that's great, but you know, you may need and you should have a plan B or a plan C because that might not work for you. And then there's the group say, you know, now they say 70% of boomers say they want to work in some capacity after they leave their primary job. But when, again, now you look at people, what they say, and then what's happening after they retire, fewer than 30% are really working after they leave their primary job. It can be tough to get a job. So that's kind of one issue. The ones who say they just want to keep working, and I'm certainly all for that, whether you're single, whether you're married, if you love what you're doing, you have a passion for it and you can keep working, fabulous, but it, it may not work out. In fact, for about half of people, it doesn't seem to. Then there's the whole idea. Well, what about you know reinventing myself, doing something entirely different? And I got a lot of stories from women who have done that. Like you had talked about maybe cha- making a hobby into a new profession. And uh, one woman, Janet, who who makes jewelry, and it's so it's unique. It's beautiful, and she ended up being able to make uh, a second career out of that, of just fashioning this, selling it to boutiques, selling it at craft fairs. She loves it. It's her passion. Again, it's got the three P's. She's got the passion. She's got people who are willing to buy it, and, and she's persistent. She puts in a lot of work doing it, but people get something unique. Then there are people who are looking for, hmm, well, they ended up leaving a primary job or they need something, and but they still don't have health benefits. They're not old enough to qualify for Medicare. And there are some jobs out there you probably know that are part time but still provide benefits. Some are within schools, like being a crossing guard or being a classroom aide. Some are um, companies, you know, like Starbucks for example or Trader Joe's, where you can work. And you will be able to get some health care coverage. You know, you might not be making a huge income, but it's enough to, to make you survive and be able to retire and still have time to do things that you want. There are others who like this whole idea of working from home, and and that kind of sounds like a scam, you know, working from home. You think about stuffing envelopes or something, or, but there are truly companies where you can work from home. When you call call centers, for example, you're often calling somebody who is working from home. And um, I'd interviewed one woman who, for example, who works for a company called Alpine Access, and there are a number of those that exist that are legit Uh, if you are hired by them you have to pay for a background check it's about forty five dollars you have to have a landline you have to be able to turn off your call waiting uh, but you will get paid, and they will often offer benefits along with it. So that's something legitimate, and, and that's supposed to be growing. The average salary, about $9 an hour. Sometimes you're an independent consultant. Sometimes they'll offer some benefits. But there is an, an area where if you didn't feel like you wanted or could go back and get additional training but you wanted to do something from home, um, it's it's I think it's a, a path that some people can take. Then there are people who, say, want to get some sort of quick kind of a training for something that's necessary, and maybe because I taught in a community college, I'm a big supporter of them. I say go find your community college because they often partner with the community and what is needed then and institute these short-term training kinds of things. I, I had run the science department, so we instituted home health aid, nurse aid programs, um, some of these were only six weeks, like a home health aid program. Some were a little longer, but after you got hired, they would reimburse you for your tuition. There are all kinds of things. It's almost like your imagination is a limiting factor. One woman ended up, she lived in an affluent area. She goes to first-time parents' homes and crawls around on the floor to see what they need to do to baby-proof their home. I mean, I I have three kids. I I used to just crawl around myself and see what I needed to do. But here's a whole industry. Who knew that existed? I didn't until I talked to her, and then I Googled it and saw, my gosh, there there are quite a number of of places that do this now or individuals who do that. So So what's the name of
0: that, uh, Floor Crawlers Are Us? (laughs) I can just imagine.
1: Is is that not interesting? I mean, you hear such interesting things, and that one blew me away.
0: Well, I can just imagine (laughs) me getting down on all fours, crawling around, looking at various things where maybe babies could get into, and then I look at the person whose house I'm in and says, Hey, I've crawled and I can't get up. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the getting up part could be tough. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh, just such interesting things another lady named paulette dog walker a dog sitter again an area she lived in where people tended to travel she would go in their home um and be a dog walker so that didn't require you know any a love of animals she has but um That would be another example of things, Uh, all all kinds of interesting things. Another woman who volunteered, you know, for example, the Peace Corps, 5% of people are 50 or over who join the Peace Corps now. They actually have a a tab on their site for older people. And if you qualify, um, you know, you do have to have a physical and all. This one woman would sign up for all these stints at the Peace Corps where you get a stipend, your health care is covered, and she would rent her home when she was gone. And I thought, well, there's a very clever idea. So, you know, you just start hearing all of these very amazing, interesting stories, what people do. And another thing to make their money last longer is for single women, they get a a roommate, a non-romantic roommate. And and AARP found that just about half of women are open to that. In some cases, um, interviewed people, they were sisters, and their spouses had both died. They moved in together, and, and this, couple, this one you know, set of sisters, they've been doing this for seven years. Uh, there's actually somebody in my community, which I found interesting. They bought houses next to one another with their spouses, uh, happily married, but since they know they're going to tend to outlive their spouses, their plan is when, one of, when the spouses die, they'll sell one of the homes and they'll move in together. They have two masters, so I found that very interesting. Well, that's that's
0: that's planning, huh?
1: <laughs> the guys may not like the planning. Oh yeah. About that much, but not What's your wife but gonna I do said...
0: what's your wife gonna do after she after you're gone? Well, she's gonna wait for Charlie to die and then the two women are gonna get together. Oh my goodness
1: gracious. That's right.
0: And that's what they're doing. Oh wow. That's, uh Relocation, that, that that kind of smacks of relocation a little bit, bringing yes. up relocation. Uh, relocation, you mentioned earlier when we were uh, going through just some general retirement things. One of the things that has to be renegotiated or has to be negotiated possibly is where are you going to live? Uh, one wants to live in the ocean. One wants to live in the mountains. So then they divorce and we get a single woman. They can go to the mountains. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, relocation is an issue, isn't it? And it and it's an issue as a couple that's newly retired, and it's I imagine uh, an issue as a single woman.
1: Yes, and and I got a couple thoughts about that. And um, the first idea about relocation, you know, when they when they do surveys. It turns out they say most people want to age in place. But, you know, let's take you and me as an example. I did move, and I would now, if someone said, do you want to age in place, I'd say, yes, I'm, I'm 59. Yeah, I want to age in place because I've already moved to where it is I want to be and plan to stay here a long time. So sometimes when they do those surveys, you look at the age and they're asking people, and they say, you know, people aren't relocating anymore, But it's because they already have. They've already relocated maybe three or four or five years. I don't know. You know, I've moved four or five times. Uh, You probably have moved several times yourself. And maybe now you're in the place where someone said, now do you want to age in place? You'd say yes. But they never look at that background. Like they've already moved somewhere. I don't know. That's just a personal thing that kind of bugs me when I read those surveys. So when they look at it like – Del Webb, you know, a big builder of active adult communities. They they've done surveys and and they have found that a, about a third of people do say that they want to relocate. So when you're talking about 80 million or 78 million boomers, that's that's still, as I say, you know, a lot of moving vans rumbling around. And when we talk about whether you want to live where you are forever or not, I, I think one huge thing is this concept of universal design. Of making sure if you're relocating, if you're going to stay in, in where you're living, but maybe you have to do some renovations, that you're very aware of this concept called. Universal design, so for example if you're if you 're going to stay wherever you are and and you 're going to redo a bathroom, you know put in those comfort height toilets they 're two and a half inches taller, but they make a world of difference when it comes time to stand up. Uh, You're talking about the woman crawling around on the ground. You know, having rocker switches, having maybe a curbless shower so you don't either have to climb over a tub or if you ended up in a wheelchair, you'd be able to get yourself into the shower, having non-skid flooring. Um, Some of the builders are very clever. If, If it's a smaller lot and they have to build up so you don't have a first floor master, they're stacking the closets on top of one another so that if you needed to put in an elevator, because it cost about $30,000 for a home elevator, you could get that in at some point and not be forced to leave your home sooner than you want. There are a lot of things you can do for that, because they, they say, you know, we kind of design Peter Pan homes, like we're never going to grow up uh, or older, but but we do, so Lots of easy things to institute that you could, uh, and a lot of builders are aware of this now and are implementing these universal design into their homes. But I just think it's something everybody should be aware of. Uh, You can get downloads of all kinds of things for inside and outside your house and inexpensive if you're doing it from the get-go and let you live in your house longer than possible. So I'm a big proponent of that, of universal design and thinking about that.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Del Webb. Uh, we live here uh, in Sun City, Arizona, which is uh-huh. the original which is the original Sun City that was built uh-huh. by Del Webb some fifty years ago. And uh-huh. uh, these houses that are here are designed in such a way that the all the load bearing walls are the exterior walls, and okay. that means that you can take everything out of the house and re and 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 rearrange everything rearrange all the walls rearrange bathrooms whatever you want to do i mean you're going to have some stuff on the slab of course that you know you're going to have drainage and so on and so forth be where it is and you may have to uh, trench your slab but but the fact is exterior wall wise you can you don't have to worry about it the roof can stay on everything can stay on and you can just work within the shell uh, the other thing about this area being a 55 plus community we are seeing uh now, I mean, you go down the street that I live on and there are probably between this street and one street over on the other side of the of the the golf course, uh there are probably 20 homes for sale. And mm-hmm. it's all and it's it's the people that are 80, mm-hmm.
1: 85,
0: 90, mm-hmm. some of the original people that lived here. Mm-hmm. This house that we're living in was the house that my parents bought. Thirty-seven years ago. Oh, and, that's great. And uh, and my mother's still here with us in this house now. Uh, mm-hmm. but, nonetheless, but nonetheless, it's it's talk about aging in place. I mean, uh, yeah. this yes. this is this is the this is the ultimate, as far as I can figure, as far as aging in place. The only reason people move out of this community is because they've become infirm. Uh, they're moving mm-hmm. back to live they're back, moving back to wherever home was to live with the kids, or mm-hmm. they're moving into a retirement uh facility uh skilled nursing or whatever the case might be uh, mm-hmm. but for the most part uh there's a lot of people dying dying right here in their houses.
1: It's absolutely true. Well, Del Webb certainly was a, ahead of his time with coming up with that concept. And, you know, I, I think they just recently celebrated their 50th anniversary. So think about how forward-thinking they were with that whole concept. And when you think about it, um, one thing I always active adult communities are attractive to so many people, uh, and if you... Are interested in an active adult community generally the older the community has been around the higher the average age is because they love it when they get in there and they just want to stay there until like you say they're they're forced out so you look at a community like yours could have an average older age than, say, a community that has just been built. Um, and they've also found they had a redo, I don't know if you find this in your community, a lot of the activities, things now because people are working and working from home or whatever, and they might move into one because they're 55, but they're still going to be working. And right. so they can't take advantage of maybe things happening during the day they've had to put in a lot more things early in the morning or later in the evening and the other thing and it's great for single women is whether it's an active adult community or master plan community is generally gated so you have that security kind of a thing and they have um i don't know what they call it at your place but sometimes they call them a lifestyle director who's made easier to make new connections and build up that social support so that you can get involved if you want or or you know stay out of the foray if you want or however much you want to do.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they what they have here is they have community centers basically or or, okay. or rec centers and there's well, I'm going to try to think uh, one or two there's probably five of them um varying in size. And scope of what they offer, but they all have, they have ceramics classes and this that and the other thing, and they're all basically uh, situated in various areas of the of the community, so that everybody has relatively easy uh, easy access to them. Uh, another nice another nice thing about it is the uh, uh, the fact that there's all kinds of activities you can become a part of the sheriff's posse and actually be a part of the law enforcement in the area on a volunteer basis. Uh, you can do something that they call the prides, which is people that ride around in their golf course and clean up the medians. And I mean, and it's all it's all volunteer efforts mm-hmm. for a lot of this a uh, lot of this municipal. Tasks and duties, and and the other thing that we're finding very interesting here now is because the next generation is moving in here. The baby boomers are moving in. There have they have actually started something called the next gen club, and the
1: Rrrr. next
0: the next gen club is uh, people are welcome to join it. Uh, many of them still do work, just as you indicated. And then the other uh, aspect is when you're 65, guess what? You age out of the next-gen club.
1: Ah, I like it. I like it. So
0: that, ah. uh, not not that you can't attend functions, but you don't get to vote anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Disenfranchised at the age of 55. Yeah. Huh? Isn't that But amazing? Uh, that, that is good. They're dealing with that, and a lot of people do find that such an attractive you know, lifestyle as far as that's concerned, and it's good on so many levels, yeah.
0: Yeah, it really is. Well, we're coming down to the short rows here as they say in the and they say in the farmland. Um uh can you give me just a few general tips for single women that are preparing to retire as we go out?
1: Sure. Um, one thing I'd say is pay yourself first. You know, whatever reason you're single, let's say you do have children, um, and a lot of us would want to pay for our children's college education or our grandchildren's education, and it sounds selfish to say pay yourself first, but I'd say it's very important. You know, even though there's a lot of student loans and everything out there. Kids are going to have a lot longer horizon to recuperate than, say, you find yourself subtly single at the age of 55 for whatever reason. So pay yourself first, I'd say, is, is a big one. Um, you should try to establish an emergency fund of about six months. I think that's important. Paying down your debts, I'd say, start with your smallest one first. Some people don't agree with that, but I think psychologically it gives you much a, a much better feeling of control that if you can get rid of a smaller debt and then go to your next higher debt and work On that and and continue on that so that you're able to do it. Um, Think about lifestyle or think about lifetime savings instead of retirement savings. I think when you think retirement savings, some people push that way to the background, thinking, ah, well, that's 10 years down the road for me. If you think about lifestyle, lifetime savings, then it's more immediate and it's something that I think people would work on uh, a little bit more assiduously and, and quicker. Uh, think about where and, and how you'll live. Again, there are a lot of ways uh, you can sell a more expensive home and um be able to use the, the gain from that to help finance your retirement. I think it's important when you're working, of course, contributing the max to your retirement savings program at work, postponing Social Security as long as you can. For a lot of people, that's not an issue. they got to take it as soon as they can to survive on it. But if you can, obviously, uh, you'll have more money down the line. And, and that idea about being flexible about work, you know, if you – Finding it difficult to get a job. Think what is your what is your passion? Where is there an audience for it, and what might you be able to do?
0: Well, uh, all good information. This has been a, a information uh, chock full information hour that we've uh, just had with you, and and I appreciate it very much, Jan. I'm sure the listeners do as well. Uh, before we say goodbye for this uh, episode, uh, why don't you give us what we like to call your shameless self promotion (laughs) Tell, tell anybody anything that you want to tell them about how they can get hold of your products or anything that you do
1: Okay, well, my books are available wherever books are sold, um, you know, Amazon, booksellers, Barnes & Noble. My website is com. If you want to sign up and follow me, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. I have my Facebook page for my book. It's The Single Woman's Guide to Retirement. I also have The New Retirement, The Ultimate Guide to the Rest of Your Life. But um. The last edition came out in 2007, so I'm really more enthusiastic about this newer one. Everything is updated, and um uh, be a great gift for Sounds the holidays. Great.
0: Sounds great. Well, uh, I want to again thank you for being with me today. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you and meeting you on the phone, and uh, I want to give you a call here shortly after we sign off. Uh a couple of things I wanted to mention to you that we'll do with that off the air, and uh, I appreciate your taking the time to be with me. Thanks so much, Pete. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Take care now. Thanks. And you've been listening to Miss Jan Cullinane, and she is the author of The Single Woman's Guide to Retirement, and available at jancullinane.com. And Cullenane is C-U-L-L-I-N-N. I'm sorry, C-U-L-L-I-N-A-N-E. Jancullinane.com. And uh, find the book there. Buy the book there. Give it as a gift. Keep it yourself. Uh, it's uh, I've I've seen parts of it. It's, it's very very interesting, and very well thought out, and I think very well written book. A lot of information in there. So please uh, avail yourself of that if you can. This is Pete saying goodbye now for the Boomer the Babe show today. We hope that you're going to join us tomorrow. Uh, we have another great guest tomorrow afternoon at eleven o'clock uh, for our time, and uh, one o'clock on the East Coast. Hope you can join us. Thanks again for being there, and we'll talk again soon. Take care now. Show where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at BoomerandTheBabe.com. Email us at host at boomerthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started.